We are so honored to have you join us for this episode of Beyond the Loss. I'm Aditi Leverage, and I am a bereaved parent to two and parent to one living child. I'm a specialized pregnancy and infant loss coach, mindfulness meditation teacher, and founder of the registered charity, the Pregnancy and Infant Loss Support Center. And I'm Danielle Kluski, bereaved parent to my daughter, Emelina, and parent to two living daughters. Co-founder and director of operations of the Pregnancy and Infant Loss Support Center. On this show, we share real stories about parenting and healing through pregnancy and infant loss. We allow space for the often silenced truths around loss to be heard. We offer an affirmative space for all people impacted by loss to share their stories, their triumphs, and their healing. Please keep in mind that the stories shared are personal stories and are not to be used in replacement of professional advice. Should you need additional support, please visit our website in the show notes that are linked. We are so excited to have you join us for today's episode. Let's start talking. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Beyond the Loss. Thanks for joining Danielle and I today. This month, which is March, is Pregnancy After Loss Awareness Month. And so Danielle and I wanted to chat about pregnancy after loss and all of the complexities that come with it. Both Danielle and I have personally experienced pregnancy after loss, and myself as a uh, specialized pregnancy and infant loss coach have supported, at this point, hundreds of uh, people who have been pregnant after loss. It's a topic, I think, that's near and dear to both of our hearts. And so we will dive in. So thanks, Danielle, for for joining again. Of course, you're my co-host, so of course you're going to join. <laughs> but yeah, so this, I feel like pregnancy after loss is a topic that, in my opinion, has started to get some attention as of late, but hasn't gotten the attention I think that it deserves. Um, and what I mean by that is I think oftentimes society and even people who are pregnant after loss don't really give the grace and permission to lean into the complex emotions that a pregnancy after loss brings. Do you mind sharing a bit about what you experienced in in yours? Yeah, I would love to because you're totally correct. I truly had no idea what the complex emotions I was getting into do, uh, going into that pregnancy after loss. For myself, my daughter, Emelina, passed due to, she was born still, and it was due to a cord um, wrapped around her neck. And when I had inquired prior to getting pregnant to my doctors and my team, I was told, well, there's really nothing we can do to stop this. It's not something that is treatable or preventable. I have small babies with long cords. It's a risk that I would take. So I went into the pregnancy. I waited over a year to get pregnant after Emelina passed because I needed to be in the mental state, I thought, to be able to manage the pregnancy. And why I mean I thought is I thought I was prepared. I thought I was prepared to go into this pregnancy to deal with all the emotions I thought I would have. I kind of prepared myself that this could be another stillbirth. We prepared, like our whole family was prepared. This could be a stillbirth because we knew what the risks were. 
And then because we thought it might be another stillbirth, I didn't bond necessarily with my daughter that I then had my pregnancy. I didn't bond in that pregnancy. I was Mm -hmm. very disassociated with what was going on. Everything I did was just like, okay, I need a stroller. So I'm going to buy a stroller. I need to go through all the pregnancy. I need to go through all the baby clothes that we've been storing for the last year and a half. Let's do that. Like everything was step-by-step matter, like very matter of fact, but nowhere was I excited. There was no baby showers. There was no celebration. It was just, let's get through this. And when I see, when I was going through this and I was like searching for people that were pregnant after loss, I was finding very mixed messages. One message where people were saying, oh, we're pregnant after loss. This is so amazing. And they're putting all these, like this rainbow over it. Mm -hmm. And yet I was not feeling the rainbow. I was feeling very afraid, very stressed. Just, I was, I was in that grief period still. And like I said, like I waited over a year to get pregnant. It wasn't like I just, I, we lost Emelina and we turned around and got pregnant. I had always said, I'm not getting pregnant until I can handle another death. And that was like the way I went into the pregnancy, which was so wrong because I didn't get to enjoy that pregnancy. And it is my last pregnancy Mm -hmm. because of the complications that came during labor and delivery. I will never have enough, another child. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I resonate, like I resonate, even though you and I have not experienced similar similar losses, I resonate so much with, well, everything that you said. And also for me, my, my living child, um, my living child is, was my third pregnancy and my living child is going to be my only living child. We're not having children, um, for a number of different reasons. And yeah, I was so just like you, I was so disconnected and it really makes me sad every single time that I think about it because I look back on that period of my life and the only you know, pregnancy, the last pregnancy that I'm ever going to have. And I can't recall anything if I'm like being honest. And as a parent, I don't think any one of us wants to admit, but I don't recall looking back on that time with anything other than negative feelings. Like when I think back on that time in my life, I was the most anxious, most disconnected, most isolated that I think I've ever been in my entire life. And and my pregnancy after loss was really what sparked me to start my coaching business and then hence the center. I started I started primarily coaching people through pregnancy after loss because I found that there was such little not only support but little conversation around it. And when you said, you know, you bought the things like I needed a stroller, so I bought the stroller and that was exactly me. Like I, I think back often to my, um, my baby shower, which in hindsight, I wish that I would never have agreed to have a baby shower. Um, I think it was one of the worst things I could have done for my mental health. Um, I remember the night before my baby shower, there was like reduced fetal movement. Um, not enough that I felt like I needed to go in to the hospital or anything, but enough that it kept me awake all night. So the day of the baby shower, I was exhausted. I was anxious. I was disconnected. And I remember sitting there in a room full of people who were all just over the moon excited. And I was sitting there like begging this baby. Okay, come on. I was counting kicks. I was disengaged. I was, I was, yeah, getting all of these gifts, looking at them being like, 
am I even going to get to use any single one of these? And in hindsight, I wish I would have had the courage at that point to have said to one person, like even one person in that room, or even to my mom and my sister who, you know, graciously and lovingly put together that um, baby shower, I wish I would have had the courage to say like, this isn't what I want, because it heightened my anxiety tenfold. Because I think for me anyways, and I don't know, Danielle, if you can relate for me and many pregnant after loss clients that I've spoken to, there's like all of the emotions that you feel, but then in inviting other people into that space and that excitement of, yay, we're going to have a baby. It's almost like you have this added layer of, I don't want to experience a loss because of course that's going to kill me like I'm gonna it's gonna be horrible for me but you always think about everybody else too yeah I totally can relate because I had a child who at that time was eight turning nine um and I was so worried that she would experience a loss of another sibling And so it was like, I was always on this fine line of like celebrating for Kat, my daughter, my living child that I'd had, but then not celebrating because I wasn't in the mood. And so it was like, we were constantly going back and forth with with like, where do we, where do we fall? And like, do I, do I celebrate so that she's happy or do I like not? And it was like, I don't know, like I was, I was constantly on this like wavelength of, I don't know where to be. And I was super sick through my whole pregnancy. The more pregnancies I got, the sicker I got, the more complications. And I mean, don't mean like complications as in like doctor complications where I need to go to the doctor, but I mean like physical, like my hips were, were hurting. My physical well being of my body was not great. So I was constantly on like this wavelength of like how, like, I'm so thankful I'm pregnant and this baby is alive, but I'm so ill and I'm so uncomfortable and I'm trying to parent a living child while I'm going through this pregnancy and I'm trying to prepare us both ways. Like maybe the baby won't come home to the point where we didn't do like a nursery. Mm -hmm. I set up the bare minimum items that we needed so that if this baby did not live my husband or somebody could come home and pack it all up and we wouldn't have to deal with taking down a nursery again that's how I dealt with the whole pregnancy was like Mm -hmm. if this baby doesn't live this is what we're going to do Mm -hmm. I wasn't prepared necessarily to bring home a living child I wasn't prepared to bring home a living child that was healthy I even because we were induced and they were inducing me early to reduce the risks, I was prepared for like a NICU visit. I was prepared for everything to go wrong and nothing to go right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is like the worst way to go into a pregnant, like to experience nine months is to constantly be worrying about the, the negative, not the amazing piece of this baby coming home. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I totally agree. And like, for me as well, like, like you said, like I mentioned, right, I was sitting in my um, baby shower kind of, you know, counting kicks just disengaged, right. And, and I became obsessed with counting kicks, right, obsessed. And I see this in my clients as well. And what I've really realized is us parents who have experienced pregnant, uh, a loss, and then we're pregnant again, we engage with our child in our soon to be born 
child um, from a place of death and fear instead of in the way of life and love, right? So what I mean by that is even when we're counting kicks, like we get obsessive with counting kicks. Uh, I see this a lot and I, and I always, and I always sit back and think, and I, I give people like tools so that when you're counting kicks, we're not engaging, anticipating this child's death, but that we're taking those movements as a sign of their life, right? Even if in that moment, even if that in that moment they're moving, that's a sign of their life. And we should be connecting to that instead of connecting with the anticipation of their death. Yes, 100%. And that was, I think, for me, the most shocking part of my pregnancy after loss is how much I connected in anticipation of this child's death. Yeah. Like, I looking back, I going through it, I didn't realize that that's what I was doing. But now looking back, I 100% that's what, like, I wouldn't do a baby shower. I wouldn't, I didn't want gifts. Like we did take photos, but even a photo, the maternity photos, I didn't do what I'd done previous. I just did what I thought would work so that we would have the memories, but that weren't, I don't know, like that were just different. Like everything was different. Like I didn't want to do anything I'd done with my second pregnancy that I did in my third. Like I was so it was so crazy because my second pregnancy, I celebrated that pregnancy. I truly thought my second pregnancy with, um, and my pregnancy with Emelina that we celebrated because I truly thought it was like my last pregnancy. So we had all the baby showers. We had Mm -hmm. everything. We had the nursery. I thought, Oh my gosh, I'm 30, you know, something years old. Like I got this baby. We're so prepared for it. We're in such a great place. And then she passes. And then the next pregnancy, I don't even look to celebrate it. I just do everything to anticipate the death. Because Mm -hmm. again, like every time I talk to a doctor or an expert in my field, they were like, well, you know, like there's risk there and we can't mitigate the risks. And I'm the type of person and we know it from the work I do within the center. I'm always mitigating risks. I'm Mm -hmm. always looking at how best can we, what's our fallback plan? What's this? And in pregnancy, there is no fallback plan. Mm-hmm. No. And that was really hard for me to deal with is that there was no fallback plan, that everything I was doing, I could only do my best and the doctors would do their best, but there's still no guarantee. So mm-hmm. I went the negative way. Mm-hmm. And I really wish I would have gone the celebration way because that's what that pregnancy deserved. Deserve the celebration that my other two pregnancies had, regardless of the outcome. Yes. And I love that you say that because I say that all the time, regardless of the outcome, because again, hindsight is twenty twenty, and I, I didn't get maternity pictures and this was my only living pregnancy and I don't have a single maternity. Like I took, you know, the selfies of my belly, like progression, but even that it was like, I became obsessive with that belly progression, right? Like in the pictures, if I didn't look like I, like it had grown in the week, then I would get anxious and disconnect more and obsessively Google. And it was a, it was a dark time, but, and now like I look back and regardless of the outcome that pregnancy deserved to have, I'm not saying when you've experienced loss, you will never ever get to the point in which you're entire, entirely celebratory in a pregnancy after loss. You won't, but I wish I would have allowed myself the grace and permission to lean into some of those moments of joy and celebration like 
getting maternity pictures, right? Because irregardless of the outcome, I would have loved to look back at that time remembering how my baby was held in love. Yeah. And I think that's the one thing I'm so grateful for is that with, with my first pregnancy, I was young. I didn't want maternity pictures. I didn't want that memory. When we went into Emelina's pregnancy, I had done things very different. I wanted to celebrate the pregnancy because like I said, I thought this was my last pregnancy. So I took those maternity pictures and those pictures are pictures that we use to celebrate her all the time. Yeah. I love those pictures. I've seen those pictures and they're stunning. They're stunning. And now I go, oh, why didn't I get those with Natalia? But at the end of the day, at least I knew I celebrated Emelina through her pregnancy. And in hindsight, I wish I would have done the same thing with Natalia, which is my living child. But at the end, but I also feel like, you know what? I'm not going to worry about what I didn't do. I'm going to focus on what I can do moving forward. And I'm going to celebrate my kids living or past with love. Mm-hmm. Right? So I've also had to like, we have to give ourselves permission to realize that even though we made those quote mistakes or we did something differently than we would do now, that's okay. Because Mm -hmm. we're only all trying, like we were only doing the best. You were doing your best and I was Mm -hmm. doing my best to get through a time in which we were really scared. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really scared. Right. And, and, and what I hear from both of our experiences and from lots of people who are pregnant after loss experiences there, that, that disconnection. I think that's the biggest piece is um because once you've experienced loss, you kind of you move through the world differently, right? We know this, and we we life gets filtered through a lens of loss, right? So you will never ever be able to naively move through a pregnancy after loss now, knowing that death can happen, that loss does happen. But in knowing that we disconnect, right? We disconnect from our pregnancy, from our baby, from ourselves, often from our partners, from family members, like from friendships. Like I disconnected from numerous friendships. Like I had one good friend at the time who got pregnant um, while I was pregnant. You know, they weren't trying. They basically looked at each other, got pregnant. Um she was even, you know, contemplating if they were going to keep the baby because, you know, there was a lot of stuff. It was unexpected and I completely supported that. But it was so hard for me to be around her because to me, and I don't know everybody's story fully, but to me, it felt like it had just come easy. And I was very, um, I wasn't, that right and then and and then yes she birthed and was able like natural birth and breastfed like a chat like everything from my perspective came very easily to her and it was I couldn't be around her and and I remember feeling really really guilty about that that I couldn't be around her because I was like what kind of person am am I like just feeling sorry for myself but I now realize that I just couldn't be around her and it was okay to not be oh and I relate so much because my sister was pregnant at the same time I was pregnant. Oh, that's hard. Um, and so I've had two sisters and both I've been pregnant with at the same time. Mm. My first pregnancy, uh, sorry, my second pregnancy with Emelina, one of my sisters was pregnant and gave birth to my nephew. Um, so while I gave birth to a still child, she gave birth to a live child. So here I am pregnant again and with my, and with another sister. So with my younger, my youngest sister. And again, through this whole pregnancy, I'm going back and forth with like, okay, well, we're both pregnant. So now one of our babies has to die because it happened before. So it, and 
it's not that I wanted it, oh, but that's where my head would go. And then she's celebrating her pregnancy and I can't even be happy for her because I just keep thinking like, well, then my baby, if her baby comes out live, then my baby's got to come out dead because that's mm-hmm. what happened before. Mm-hmm. That did not happen. But those no. were all the scenarios that I made up in my head. And so when my niece was born, I sent the, like the, I sent gifts because we don't live in the same province, but I really didn't want to connect with my niece for mm-hmm. a very long time. Mm-hmm. And it's challenging when your sister, that was her first birth and her only birth. And I didn't want any part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was not, because I'd already experienced a loss with one of my sisters pregnant. So in my mind, it was going to happen again. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we need to, as I think as bereaved parents, we need to allow ourselves that grace to go, okay, like, it's not that we're, it's not that you were like a shitty sister, right? Like you weren't. And I'm sure that you love your niece now. Oh, I'm sure that you've bonded with her when it was safe, when it felt safe for you to do so. But at the time, it's like, we have to, like, I was surviving, right? Like, literally, I was trying to do my best to literally survive every day of that my pregnancy after loss and I had to do what I had to do in order to survive every day and some of that was pulling away from people that I found really hard to be around not because I was not happy for them I was very happy for them but I was I I, I was sad for me right I was sad that I was so disconnected from this pregnancy and couldn't find lean into those celebrations and joys that other people get to yeah and it's like and then we come into like as you shared you know it her she had a natural birth and then yeah so then it's the same so then we get through the pregnancy and we're going into labor and we think okay like we're okay here like we're just gonna have this baby and it's gonna be good and then we both experience trauma in the delivery room mm-hmm like mm-hmm. our plans didn't go the way we wanted it to. No. Although I did have a natural birth. It was not the natural birth I expected. It was to the point where at times we had eight people in the room and I'm going, I just want this baby to come out alive. I don't really care what you do. Mm-hmm. And when you tell a doctor and a nurse, I just want this baby alive. They just stare at you with like this, this look in their eyes. Like, yeah, we're, that's what we're going to do. And it's like, no, no, I've already had a death. Like yeah. just do what you need to do and get this baby out. I don't care. I don't have a birth plan. I don't care about birth plans. I just want a live baby. So I don't care what you need to do. Just do it. Mm -hmm. And I felt like then there was grief to do with that and guilt because I didn't enjoy the walking. I didn't get to do anything that quote I thought I would because I wasn't able to. I was in a high risk situation where the focus was just making sure that we both lived. Yes. And I think that there's, and I think that's the other piece of pregnancy after loss is there's a lot of focus on the nine months and the, and the parents, uh, the birthing person's, um, mental and emotional well being. There isn't a lot of talk on the labor and delivery, right? And how our medical system, again, this is my personal opinion, but how our medical system doesn't necessarily understand the mind body connection and the and the trauma that pregnant after loss folks are bringing into that labor and delivery right so i fully believe that i ended up in a c section because i was so 
closed off and felt very unsupported in my labor because nobody understood exactly that, that my end goal, I literally was like so terrified that this was going to end in a loss. The whole time I was in labor, they kept checking baby's heart rate. And all I kept thinking was, oh my gosh, like they're alive for now, right? My kid is alive for now. We're alive. That is that kind of mentality, that kind of fear. And I used to be a doula. And so I know this, that that kind of fear when you, when there's fear in a birthing person's mind about anything, if they don't have a safe space to talk about it, that fear shows up in their body. And oftentimes labor fails to progress because there is a deep mind body connection in labor. And I wish that more medical professionals, well, and doulas, anybody who's supporting a birthing person in birth would start to give more space and weight to the trauma and the fears that a birthing person is carrying and give them the space to actually voice those fears. Because I think that there would be so much different in how birthing people birth if we give them the emotional safety to release that fear into that birthing space, if that if that makes sense. Oh, 100%. Because yes, I was failing to, they were giving me all the drugs, all the inductions to deliver this baby. And all that was happening is that Natalia was going into distress. And so it got to a point where they're like, okay, well, we're going to give you an epidural. And my husband's like, no, she doesn't want an epidural. Like this is the third pregnancy. She doesn't want that. And I had to look at him and I'm like, if they're telling me to get an epidural, I don't really care. Because at this point I've been in labor for 12 some hours and nothing like it's either an epidural or a C and they need the epidural to give me a C-section. So let's just move this along. But every decision I made, even with the epidural, wasn't like, okay, well, this will relax me. Now the epidural forced me to relax. So at the end of the day, once I had the epidural, it allowed my body to relax and it allowed us to have a better birthing experience. But prior to that, there's no way I was tighter than tight. And it didn't matter how many times I walked the space or what mm -hmm. people told me there was no way that Natalia was coming out because I was so tight and so yes. tense and mm -hmm. yeah I had an I had a doula but the doula in hindsight was not prepared to deal with somebody who had had a pregnancy after loss mm -hmm. and that was where I was at they yeah. were very supportive for my partner but they were not able to like you know help me with whether meditation or breathing. And it's all that prep that needs to happen before, which is why what we do at the center with the pregnant, the prenatal classes after, for pregnancy after loss is so helpful because we talk about that mind body connection. We talk about, you know, preparing because I didn't do, I did prenatal classes nine years prior and I was not doing another prenatal class. So mm -hmm. I did not have the skills to go into that labor. And Mm -hmm. pregnancy after loss, you need some skills, you need some coping mechanisms and you need to be able to, whether it's meditate or listen to music or whatever that uh, environment looks like, you need to create the environment. And without that environment, you're going to end up with eight doctors in your room and a crash cart outside your door in distress because your baby's in distress and you're now in distress. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the point, right? Is that the support leading at like the support over the nine months is imperative and taught and having a safe space to actually talk about the fear, right? Because I had a doula, I did the prenatal classes privately, I didn't join a regular quote unquote, regular prenatal class, because I didn't feel like I was going to fit in there. And I did the things but I wasn't necessarily and this was me, I wasn't necessarily forthcoming or truthful, because I didn't find that specialized person who was like, I 
can like I, I I get it right like I can relate and I think that's what we do very beautifully at the center is that we have that specialized support that we have our pregnant after loss peer support group that anyone can join from anywhere in the world because it's being offered remotely right now and will continue to be past COVID and then we have like you said the prenatal classes that are designed for a pregnancy after loss which is really powerful those classes are the classes that I needed and oh. that I didn't get that and this the pregnancy after loss support group and the classes were exactly what I needed and I didn't get because I am the queen of talking to a social worker and not telling them what I'm feeling and telling them exactly yeah. what I need to do and mm -hmm. as I've been told recently I have a really good poker face so you're gonna believe what I say because of what I'm saying what I look like though the the face the I face, put on the mask yeah the mask I put on but I was not in a good place no, I needed way more support, but I went through the whole pregnancy just saying, no, I'm fine. No, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm journaling. Yeah. I'm doing this. Yeah. I'm doing self-care. Yep. 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 Got it. Me too. Was that was exactly, that was exactly how I was. And like, that's why I said like my doula was, my doulas were so supportive and they supported me with how I, with the face that I was putting on. Right. But yeah. that wasn't the real support that I needed and I wasn't being truthful that that's on me right they could only support me with the information I was giving them and I wasn't giving them the full information a piece of that a big piece of that was that I really didn't feel like there was a space for a group of people that really understood me right yeah. I was super isolated I was the only one who was pregnant who had experienced loss I mean there was a couple of people I think around me that had mentioned having miscarriages but they said they were fine. And maybe that was the face they were putting on. And now doing this work after five years, it probably was the face they were putting on. And I love, I love that the work that we do, Danielle, is that is like we give permission to people to come without any masks, right? Yeah. Because it is scary as shit, if I'm being honest, to like, I am the same way. I, you know me, I have a yeah. hard time saying that I need help. And, 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 that's been my personality for years because I'm quote unquote the helper. So when I need help, it's scary as shit for me to say it, but I'm more easily able to say I need help. Like with you, I will say to you, like I'm having yeah. a shit day and I need help. And because I know that you can relate. Yeah. And had I had that space, just like right there where the baseline is, I don't have to get into why I need the space. It's just a space that exists. I think it would have been honestly a game changer for me. Yeah, I think it would have been a game changer for me because I couldn't find that community. My community was reading other people's books or other people's blogs, but there was nobody that I could talk to. And yes, mm -hmm. you know, I'd read people had reached out to me to tell me this story or that story, but nobody said, Danielle, I totally get that this is shit and this is really hard. And it's okay that you are not where you are. It was like, oh, let's celebrate this baby because, you know, it's going to be great. But there wasn't that. And that's why I do the work I do. That's why it's so important to you and I both that we do have pregnancy after loss support, that mm -hmm. you can show up on a bad day or a good day, whatever, wherever you're at, and know that somebody in the community gets it. We don't all have to experience a stillbirth or a miscarriage to understand the fears, to understand the, the bad days, the good days, the uncomfortable days. Mm -hmm. We can all relate to some piece of it because we've all in the lost community have felt some piece of it. Definitely. If you had three tips for there, because there might be people listening that are pregnant after loss, 
And we talked about the challenges, but we as a center are about the support. And so what are three tips that you would give people that are listening on how to better support their own pregnancy after loss? The first one I would say is I would just lean in. So Mm. I say this a lot in my recovery is that I didn't lean into anything. I didn't lean into the uncomfortable emotions. I didn't lean in to the fear. I just was like, let's fix this because I'm a fixer. I'm a doer. But I needed to lean into those emotions. It was okay for me to feel afraid. It was okay for me to feel sad. If I would have leaned, if you can lean in, I think you'll find some joy in it. Because once you can lean into those emotions, then there's some joy that comes out of it. I would say regardless of whether, how your pregnancy, whether you end up having a second, um, another loss or whatever that looks like, it's okay to prepare. It's okay to have a nursery. It's okay to buy that stroller that you really want. You don't like the fear that I felt, regardless of whether my third pregnancy had come, had been like a, a birth, whether it was like a baby or it was another loss, it was okay for me to have those, that joy and to be able to prepare, whether that's buying a special blanket, setting up the nursery. It, hot like it's okay to do that but it's also okay not to and either way that you want to go you have to lean into those feelings because Mm. for me I think I would have had a lot more joy in setting up that nursery than just putting stuff in a corner in my bedroom going okay when baby comes because you know what when baby came she was very fussy baby Mm. and I got nothing done and it was more stressful because I had nothing done Mm -hmm. and then the third one I guess would be that find your community. Mm-hmm. And that is what we're here. For. We can help you find that community, whether it's peer to peer support, whether it's group support, whether it's coaching with our loss coaches or our social worker, find your community because everybody needs that support person. So whether it's a friend, a family member, um, a peer, anything, you need that support person. Because I went through my pregnancy with my husband that traveled. He's amazing, but he traveled. And I was by myself. And had I just had that one person to be able to cry to or talk to or chat with, I think it would have shifted my whole, my whole outlook. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are great tips. Great tips. Thank you. If I had to share three, I think uh, number one would be um, to give yourself the grace and the permission to be vulnerable in speaking your truth. I don't think I was vulnerable in speaking my truth. And I think um, I further isolated myself. So yes, not everybody uh, can relate, but I think I closed myself off to even finding out or connecting with those that may have been able to. So speaking our truth and saying, hey, I am feeling this way. I think it's a really good start. Uh, Number two is holding the polarities of a pregnancy after loss, both simultaneously. So being pregnant, like you mentioned earlier, being pregnant and having like really a hard physically, physically uh, tough pregnancy is hard. And like, and it can be joyful, right? I think I felt a lot of guilt about because there was moments where I didn't love being pregnant. And I felt guilty because I was like, Oh, my goodness, though, I, I've waited so long to be this pregnant. And so I shouldn't complain. But I can feel joy and I can and it can be hard. And I can feel 
excitement and I can be grieving. I can feel, you know, like all of these things, like we can hold all of the emotions together. We don't need to be holding only one. That would be my other piece. And then the the last one would be, I say this a lot to my clients is see where you can take the caution off. So I proceeded with a lot of caution and that caution prevented me from a getting maternity pictures, things like that done. Um, we do that because our minds think that if we protect ourselves from getting attached, that if and when that outcome is the outcome is that we lose the pregnancy, it won't hurt as bad. And we know that that's not true. We know that protecting ourselves will not, um, will not protect us from the pain of falling. But what it does protect us from is it protects us from feeling any moments of joy in the pregnancy. And so my advice would be no matter how small, take one layer of caution off. So whatever that looks like for you, whether it's, you know, to tell that one person that you haven't told or to buy that one item that you really want, but haven't because you keep going back to, it'll hurt more if I have to return the item, do it because it starts to signal to your mind and your heart that it's safe, that it's safe to lean in. Like you said, it's safe to lean in and we have to get our mind and heart to really fully believe that. So that would be my, my tips for, for folks. So as we mentioned, we have a bunch of pregnancy after loss support through our charity, all of which are free. So we offer a pregnancy after loss peer support group. We offer prenatal classes that are also free and remote. So you can uh, join those from anywhere uh, in the world. And we also have our pregnancy and infant loss support helpline. And that helpline is for people at every stage of the loss journey, including pregnancy after loss. So if you are wanting to connect for more support, please visit our website. Our website is in our show notes, as well as our helpline number. We we can relate and you're not alone. And it's okay if there's some challenges in this pregnancy and we can help support you through it. So thank you. Thank you, Danielle, for sharing. And thank you everyone for listening. And we hope to see you on our next episode of Beyond the Loss. Bye.